Hello everyone, it's Saturday, January 20th. Welcome to Pop Goes the Girls, where we, two sisters born a decade apart, take a parade through our respective journeys through pop culture. I'm Daisy Kosh. And I'm Chelsea Davidson. This episode is not sponsored by, this is Wrigley's? Mm -hmm. I didn't know this. Wrigley's Hubba Bubba Chewing Gum. Despite the fact that we, well, you know what, we'll see. We will be eating it the entire episode, whether she likes it or not. I'm not quite sure. It says awesome original, and I don't know how much I feel for, like, the, when people say bubblegum flavored. Do you remember growing up with me, and you used to blow bubbles in my face when I was in the car next to you? let's let's give this a chance. You need a bigger piece than that, otherwise you're gonna have, like, no gum in your mouth. That's why it's a giant roll. Just, like, to give you a bit of context. Do you know that if you chew gum while you're learning something... It, it embeds it in your memory better? It's specifically to the taste of the gum. So if you're learning a different subject or studying a different subject, if you change the gum, you associate the flavor with it. So if you like are chewing mint gum when you're studying math and then you go and do a math exam, if you chew the mint gum, it'll make it easier. Well, the study I, I thought it, well, I don't know if it's tasteless per se, but like generic gum just embeds it in your memory. But I guess you could probably associate it with flavors. Yeah, the flavors help you associate it. Separately. So what, you're going to go into an exam with that flavor gum? It helps. Huh. Okay. Because I read the same thing about the gum, and I thought, does it change based on the flavor? And then they did another study, and they said, if you change the flavor, This is very it associates... odd that they've done this many studies on this. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who is funding this? Anyway, um, I, I've lost complete and utter train of thought. Now um, is the perfect time to tell you that we will spoil <laughs> things during our podcast, so leave now or forever prepare for pop culture spoilers. Oh, and today we are discussing the works... Of Gina Davis, because it is her birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Gina! Woo, 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 woo! Also, she's just, like, awesome, so we were going to talk about her at some point anyway. Yeah. Um, each week, we talk about pop culture artifacts that shaped us and why they're memorable to us. You are right. That is not enough gum. I told you. It's like having nothing in your mouth. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's like I'm chewing an eraser right now. It's terrible. All right. Um, we will also have a fan theory fight club where we argue the merits or detriments of some of the fan Charles, theories. I think you got enough now. That's enough gum? You're just pulling and pulling. I don't know how much <laughs> enough is. I thought enough was what I put in my mouth originally, I always but say, I always say one around the circle. And then as the Classic circle gets Charles, smaller, you think it's it enough, but well, it's not big enough. You're just pulling and pulling, <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? Anyway, you interrupted me so I'm rudely. I'm so sorry. We also have a fan theory fight club where we argue the merits or detriments of some of the fan theories surrounding interpreting different pop culture items. In retrospect, chewing gum during a podcast, not the brightest idea we've had. You don't eat sunflower seeds. Now I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking like, uh, I don't know what I'm talking like. Do you think you sound like you're from New Jersey or something? You're like, I'm from New Jersey. I don't know, but I don't sound good. Go on. And lastly, we'll play a quick round. Of Twisted Sister, where one of us loves something that the other hates, doesn't really like, doesn't know anything about, etc., etc. And we open it up to a poll for you, our lovely listeners, to decide which sister is right. Alright, let's get down to it then. So the first film that we're going to discuss today, one of Gina's best, in my opinion. Do you agree? I think it's one that... Just say yes. Just say yes, I agree. Yes. For once in your I life, say yes, dear sister. I agree with you. Yes. Get into the practice of it. You know I'm not good at improv. <laughs> um, I think this one is the one that she gets most like acclaim for, like Academy Award-wise, mm-hmm. because it was such an Academy film. Mm-hmm. But it also is just a good film. It's not one of those like artsy-fartsy, I hate my life for watching it films that some Academy Award films are. Yeah, it's genuinely very entertaining. Yeah. It's dark at certain points, but genuinely entertaining on the overall. We will be talking about Thelma and Louise. 
you were like, oh, it's so good. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. You love Gina Davis because of this, 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 and this. And yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, I do. Because, like, I genuinely think My Gina Davis is about the coolest actress, like, accomplishment-wise. Yeah. Because she does every... Like, anything that she does in a movie, she actually learns how to do it or attempts to learn how to do it. Like, she's yeah. a freaking archery queen in yeah. real life. Oh, yeah, I know. And I think that's amazing. She's Mensa as well. She's, she's a very smart... That's right. Just keep lady. singing her praises. She's a very smart, accomplished lady, and yeah. uh, she should be very proud of herself cool. on her birthday coming yeah. up tomorrow. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I, I honestly couldn't tell you when I saw it. I think the first time I saw it, I was too young to really grasp what was going on, and and really, truly too young to have watched it anyway because it was probably highly inappropriate at that age for me to have watched it, considering one of the inciting incidents of the movie. Um, I really don't want to ruin this movie. I really don't. I know we are spoiler heavy typically, but I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil a little bit. The the one thing that I really want to mention is I I believe you know what let me let me verify that I'm not a dirty rotten liar, but I believe that yes it is that is the case. I own this movie on DVD, but not as just the movie on itself, like just a DVD. It's it's in a collection. Mm. Name the collection it's in based it's based on what. On Thelma and Louise? Yeah. I'll give you the I'll give you the other films I, in the collection. I, California and Oh, it's Brad Pitt. Yeah. And, and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Brad Pitt mm. is such a selling point in this movie that even though he's not the star Chelsea, when he's holding the hair dryer, I they would, use I it all the time. It's in my mind right they now. use it all the time when showing the movie. Yeah, about he's he telling her how to like hold up a bag? Yes. With a hair, with dryer, a hair dryer in his hand. Yeah. Yeah, it. He is well. Not only is he like in his prime, gorgeous in this role. Yeah, which I mean, it's Brad Pitt, so there's not much. <laughs> there's not, not much a lot of not prime time. Yeah, uh, the whole thing's nice. I I always <laughs> nice thought story. my favorite role. I don't want to say it because like I feel like I, I'm probably wrong, but the one that I enjoy the most, not necessarily his best role, but the one that I enjoy the most is when he's in Ocean's Eleven. Really, I love he Mr. eats Mr. the Smith. entire every scene he is eating. Yeah. And, like, some of the, the, like, little factoids you find out about behind the scenes is that if they had to do a scene over and over again, he he was like, oh, shouldn't I eat the shrimp? Shouldn't I eat the shrimp? Because he had to eat, like, 500 shrimp to, mm-hmm. to keep doing the take. Um, but I, I don't know why. I think not only is does he look really good in it, I love his character in it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the little ticks and things like that that where he eats all the time and things mm-hmm. like that. I, I think, think it's amazing funny. that he got his start in the Pringles ab. He got that really. We, that, we veered away speaks, from Gina so that hard. That speaks to me on such like a personal level. Um, you guys started a Pringles ad. Yeah, he oh. was young. Mm. Anyway, um, once you pop, the fun don't stop. Pringles. Uh, anyway, uh, for me, I will spoil a little bit because I'm, I'm not going to spoil what you didn't want to spoil. But I love that the movie itself is like very girl power. Oh, like, it's, these it's women one of the greatest ride or die. feminist movies. I, I think the only other one that I can think... Well, there's a few that I can think of now as of late. Barbie would be one. Signs of the Lambs would be another where I would think they're really strong feminist films. Um, for very different reasons. What about Yaya Sisterhood? No, that's that's like feminist light. It's not oh. like genuine feminist writing. Whereas these films have genuine feminist <laughs> writing to them. And and I think Thelma and Louise is definitely one of the top... It's got to be top two in my mind, if not top one. I think one of the key things that you notice, though, with most feminist pieces is that they're written by a woman. Yeah. Because 
guys uh, can be feminist. I don't feminist. think that's the case with Science of the Lambs, actually. I think Science of the Lambs is not written by a woman. Guys can... I'm gonna double check Because, like, a lot of things that happen is guys are feminists, but there's a certain level, like, a, an additional layer um, of being a woman that gives you, like, a, an you additional insight. You can infuse insight. it because you have, yeah, you have, exactly. Because of the experience. Insight. insight. That's, that's a perfect way to put it. You have additional insight if you are a woman to really speak to And I wouldn't say that. necessarily that Science of the Lambs is extremely feminist. Oh, it is, though. It's only... I didn't think of it as that either, but then I, I kind of, I did a little bit of research. It's only feminist went, oh, yeah. because Jodie Foster is a boss. No, that's not why. That's one reason. But the entire film is about treatment of women. And, yeah. And... I, trust me, Daisy. Like, I'm, I'm not going to spend... This is not about Signs of Lambs. <laughs> so, like, I could go on and on and on about that. But truly, this, this is uh, a feminist film. Like, I did not see it myself. It's Until really you hard. With, like, it was an the first horror lot. film to win Best Picture, by the way. I thought you might enjoy that little factoid, because you are It's deaf. basically the only one, as well. Because they don't give it the freaking seriousness it deserves at the Oscars. I will never forget being a kid and watching the Oscars compilation they did of all these Oscar movies of, like, 50 years of horror that they did. Yeah. And I was like, God, that was friggin' amazing. So, Thomas Harris wrote the original novel, and then Ted Talley adapted it into a screenplay. So, both times men. So, not not in that case, but, but Greta Gerwig for... Most cases. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, that's For true. me. Well, I remember a, a big example when I was... I was in high school... I, I've gone a little astray, I know. Um, Arthur, what's his face? He wrote um, Memoirs of a Geisha, and my English teacher, who was a man, so like, you know what, take it all with a pinch of salt, but he was a fantastic teacher. He said, I've never re read a book that was written so amazingly from a woman's perspective by a man. <laughs> and all, all I can you think know, about like, now, at the time, I was like, uh, because he was such a good teacher, I just kind of was like, you know, that's Whatever you true. say. Let me watch, let me, let me watch. Let me read that book and, and, and see uh, if you're right. See if you're right. And then at the same time, I can't remember how I really felt about that book, to be honest with you. But, um, but nowadays, I'm just like, well, that's a bold fucking claim to make as a man, not a I woman. Know. Yeah, it's something that a woman could. It's a lot of things. Men do a lot of things where you're just like, are you sure? She's mansplaining the woman's experience to yeah, me. Yeah. But that's, you're that's sure that's the hill you want to live and die on? Yeah. I mean, you can make you could make the comment, but you should say, from my perspective. Or you from say... From my experience. Or you say, not I just, think this. Or I think yeah. this, not this is what it is. Yeah. It's a little bold when you when yeah. you like, and this is the statement yeah. that we were going to This go is by. the truth. This is the fact. Anyway, still, great teacher, and uh, yeah. Um, also, I... Um, because I'm a little twisted, as you like to say, um, I like the, like, dark early scene that we're not going to discuss mm -hmm. and the ending was kind of like surprisingly dark for me because I didn't think that was going to happen um to conclude the whole thing I think at this point everybody knows the ending yeah yeah um and it's still argued it's still up for debate on what that ending is and what it means yeah yeah so many people have questions about it and I mean I, I feel like I may be speaking out of turn, but I feel like the majority thinks that it's like, and that's it. Curtains on yeah. them. Um, but there are a few people who are like, Some people well, are like, based on live. the trajectory, we could get that automobile over the chasm with no issue. And I'm just like, okay. It, it, what did, did the air drift magically below them? Did the car turn into a plane? Like, mm. where, where are we getting this theory from? Because based on my assessment, they sink in. 
<laughs> so, anyway. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> because I think that's... The whole point of them kind of having the freeze frame as well at the end is, like, this is it. And it's richly symbolic as well, mm. based on, like, lots of things that have gone on in the movie. Um... But I do love, like you said, the scene that I don't want to mention is such a good catalyst for- For everything that occurs. No, for them as characters, because one especially more than the other, but both in general, would never have done something like this. Like, Mm -hmm. they would never have been in a position of this Mm -hmm. nature otherwise. They're just just typical nice women. Mm Mm-hmm. And They're just working hard. Yeah. Trying but to it, but it has, make ends And it adds meet. authenticity because you're like, well, that is believable. That really could happen. And that really could lead to the, the rest of the movie to yeah. happen. Like, it's not like you have to suspend your disbelief on these two people going and being that way. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's great. That actually is leading into what I was going to talk about. I love both of their characters for, like, very different reasons. Like, I love that Susan Sarandon is very much, like, no-nonsense. She's like, we have to do this stuff. We have to do it this way. Otherwise, everything will be She's methodical. Like, very logical. Meanwhile, Gina Davis's character is very emotion-based. Yeah. And she's like, I want to have fun, though. Let's go and do this. And she did, yeah. uh, look at the pretty hitchhiker. He wants our help. Let's go yeah. help him. She, did, she goes, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. To, to I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, I love that so much. And she's like, oh, get him in. Like, yeah. Fine. It, it, this is interesting. I'm just reading here on, uh, based on Wikipedia, the film has elements of multiple genres. It's been described as a drama, an adventure movie, a road movie, and it also have elements of a romantic comedy. Like it, yeah. It's, it's hard to define, but it works very, very well. Yeah. Very cohesive. Yeah. Um, and the last thing was, I genuinely think that the hidden message of the movie is that a hot hitchhiker will steal <laughs> all of your money <laughs> if, and sleep with you if you just take him in. Specifically if it's Brad Pitt. Yeah. Oh, Brad Pitt's got your money and he's running. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love later. I don't even think he's going to sleep with you. <laughs> another spoiler. I love one of the later scenes when they capture him and they say, hey, you stole all their money and everything. And he's like, whatever. And then he meets her husband yeah. and he's just like, hey, he I know Brad- your wife. He's pretty much unknown as well. Brad Pitt. But I love runaway the, role for The him. way he talks to, what's his name? Thingy McDonald. The husband. Christopher McDonald? Yeah. How he's just like, hey, I know your wife. And he gives him, like, the, the eyebrows. And yeah. the guy's like, Christopher you McDonald's- son of a bitch. And he's ready to go after him. And he's like, Ooh. Christopher <laughs> McDonald is one of those actors that literally everybody knows. But nobody knows his name. Yeah. And he's so great in this role, too. Yeah. I, I, I love him. Like I, He played Goose in Grease, too. Like, I'm going to go niche first. He, But you probably know him as Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore. Like, that's where most people would know him from. Um, I don't I don't know him from that. I know him from, like, all the other stuff. <laughs> I, am I reading this correctly? Former fiancé. Was he engaged to Gina Davis at one point? She dated Christopher McDonald. They were briefly engaged. Gina Davis, you dog! She, she was with him. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. She was way out of his league. Sorry, Christopher McDonald, but, like, Gina Davis is incredible. So... <laughs> She is. She's incredible. Like, you're like she's a boss. You're gonna have to work a little harder. I'm he's so in sorry. everything. I'm he's sorry. In everything. He's happily he's happily married since 1992. So obviously he's so he's, that was a blip. <laughs> yeah. So obviously he's fine, and uh, and we don't need to discuss it any further than this. But Gina Davis, you a dog. Okay, on to our next. 
Oh, oh, one more thing. One oh, more thing. Okay. Our opinion is validated because the United States Library of Congress, which in my opinion, like it's a library and therefore it, it has to be right. Selected uh, I don't the film. Know. It's selected the film. This film for preservation in the National Film Registry because it is culturally, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So there you go. By the way, they may do a stage musical, which seems very, very weird. Um, How are they going to bring the car into that? Oh, that's easy. There's a lot of Greece. Like, look, Greece had a, many a car, and it started off as a musical. Anyway, point is, um, they're, they're, they may make this into a stage musical, which seems very off-kilter for me. Musical being the thing. Stage play, sure. Musical, a little odd. Um, potentially, Amanda Seyfried and Evan Rachel Wood. They did a reading back in January of, of this I don't year. like Amanda for it. I do like Evan Rachel Wood for it. Evan Rachel Wood's great. Amanda's, Amanda could be good, too. Amanda's done some solid I know, work. but she, she gives me different energy than what's required. Because I'm guessing Evan, Evan Rachel Wood would be Susan Well, Sarandon's. I won't take you to the damn play, then. I'll go on my you own. You never take me to the friggin' play, so I'm not worried now. You have no interest. I've invited you once, and you, you turned me down, so... I already had plans that evening. You had plans to put pajamas on and watch Harry Potter. I was already... Relax. <laughs> and you messaged me at like nine o'clock at night. And you're like, "Hey, you want to go see a play? That is not it's a an plan. hour. That's not a plan." And I was like, right. "Sorry, I'm I'm done." Moving for the night. on. Moving I'd on. I already had a, busy, a really busy day, and I was like, "No." So now I'm not we're, going out now. All right, all right, princess. Now we're heading over to fan theory territory. I think this movie has like a lot of fan theories attached to it. But I, I have I, a fan theory. Do you have the same one? I don't, well, I'll go first because I, I thought I was in charge of it this week. Well, and you, then if it's the same you thing, you tell me all great. the time that you want to get the fan theory, so I usually just leave it to you and just leave a space for myself <sighs> to write down what it is. Yeah, I don't like twisting. I don't like arguing anymore. I argue enough in my day to day life. Oh my god! I don't need to to convince you of things. If you, Woe if is you. you. I just think it's your own loss if you don't watch everything that I tell you to. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the fan theory this week is about one one of the great Tim Burton classics, Beetlejuice. No, we just want to get some people out of our house. Oh, I understand. I understand. Well, look. In order to do that, I'm really gonna have to get to know you guys. You know, we gotta get closer. Move in with you for a while. Get to be real pals. You know what I'm saying? And my wife and I would like to ask you a couple of questions. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Go ahead. Well, well, for instance, uh, what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think? You think I'm qualified? What I mean is, can you be scary? Oh, oh, I know if you're asking me, can I be scary? What do you think of this? <laughs> you like it? Excuse us, please. Sure, talk amongst yourself. So, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, 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 Beetlejuice! Like, we yeah, he's clones. not here. Yeah, I tried. I, I gave it a shot. Okay, so, sorry, I'm just pulling up the theory because I, I linked myself to it in my, my uh, phone right here. Okay, so, I'm going to read you the theory, and if you have another one, we'll, we'll double down on it this week. So. Okay. So, Beetlejuice should be reinterpreted as not a dead man. Everyone assumes... We definitely have a different theory. <laughs> everyone assumes Beetlejuice is a dead man. And they say, no. no, no, he was in fact alive... And he only died at the end of the movie. Here's some evidence. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that now, and I don't even need evidence. Everyone thinks that he's dead. 
Why okay. would they think he's dead? Okay. Let me let me provide. Okay. There's three people in this room. You, me, and the listener. So evidence for th this theory. Toward the end of the film, Beetlejuice is eaten by a sandworm, and after this, he ends up in the death waiting room. But how did he get there? The answer to this question demands that we were that he was alive beforehand, because as far as we can tell, there are only two ways that you can end up th in this room and or building. By the way, this theory came fresh off of Patrick HH20 on Reddit 11 years ago. So oh, Patrick. We're slow to the roll. <laughs> yeah, Patrick. <sighs> 20. Yeah. <sighs> 20. 20 year old Patrick. Not anymore. He's 31. <laughs> it was 11 years ago. Anyway, the first way we may deduce from the people we, we see in it. It's clear that there are people who have only just recently died. The surfer still has the shark on his leg. The man who chokes still has a rib in his throat. In fact, not only in that room, but every character we see in that dead office building, besides the dead people who work there, are all recently deceased. The football team even says, I don't think we survived that crash. They're just now coming to grips with the fact that they died. The second way we see people end up in that room is actually through our main characters, Adam and, of course, the wonderful Gina Davis as Barbara. They draw... Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. Yep. Yeah, they draw the door and knock three times. So they have to draw a door and knock three Because they're given times. the book when they die. Yes. However, they learn to do this from the handbook. Yep. Yeah, which mm -hmm. is designed for people who are new and only just now adjusting Did you know you can get a death. purse that looks like the handbook? Do you know how much I want that purse? It's, it yeah. would be a very niche my outfit, friend, but still, I love that. My friend has... She got earrings that are glow-in-the-dark... One of them is the is uh, uh, the shake 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 senor. When she walks, it twists twists. Yeah. So it looks like they're dancing, and then the other one is just like a sandworm scene. They're gigantic earrings, so I can only imagine her <laughs> her earlobes were killing her by the end of the day. But they were gorgeous. So. But yeah, uh, they have yeah. a little purse that looks like the book, and I think it is so cool looking. You can get it at Hot Topic. It's so it's every time I see it, I'm like, that is awesome. Yeah. Anyway, back on track. Yes. Yes. Hot Topic is never on track. So. Uh, if they go through that door, they're looking for help from people more experienced with death. And that's that's the only two ways we see. So of these two ways, we know people get there. Only one of them actually makes sense for, for Beetlejuice. Obviously, if he's been dead the whole time, it would make no sense at all, at all for him to draw a door and go there asking for help on how to cope with death. He seems to be doing okay with it. Therefore, we must conclude that Beetlejuice ends up there for the same reason that the other people are there. He has only just recently died. Therefore, he was alive for the entire film. Okay. The, uh, that this is the best explanation for how he ends up there is also seen from the way he died. He was swallowed by the sandworm. If he were already a dead man, what effect would this have on him? He would not feel pain, since we can see throughout the film that Barbara can have her fingers on fire and feel nothing. Uh, Adam can decapitate himself and feel nothing. They can stretch their skin to inhuman degrees and still feel nothing. Things like this do not affect the dead. Being swallowed by a wild animal wouldn't be any worse than what Adam and the wonderful Gina Davis... Barbara have already shown themselves immune to. So that that's one point. Anyway, Beetlejuice does things that other dead people do not. Of all the dead characters, we never see any of them eating, but we see Beetlejuice eating twice. He eats a fly and a beetle, which is just odd on its own, but you know, not impossible. There are some cultures that eat bugs. Uh, this suggests that he needs physical sustenance for a physical body. He's not dead. There are some evidences against, but they do I'll a let whole, you weigh in first. They do a whole thing um, when they meet Beetlejuice is like the ad on TV that he does like poltergeist stuff, right? Yeah. So that implies he's either a demonic-esque spirit um, or that he is the one doing the bad things. 
If he is... And this theory would say the latter. Yeah. But how would he be on their TV? Just based on how he looks, I think a lot of people went, oh, dead. I've got some evidence against as well. The thing that, like, I I just... The thing that worries me about it is he could be, like, a demonic spirit who only is put in the waiting room because he's actually ready to go through the whole moving on process. But knowing Beetlejuice, he doesn't seem like the kind of person he's not that ready. he's ready at all. He's still fucking around in the waiting room. Yeah. He's not ready. He's but not ready for, for shit at all. See, the, thing that, the whole thing that... It, my issue with it is that the TV to reality thing. Like, you just say his name three times and he shows up. That's the one thing. Yeah. Okay, so... That doesn't make sense Evidence against. Evidence against. He is in the realm of the dead. But Lydia also says she wants it, and Beetlejuice says, why? He doesn't say not... No, no, you can't. He says, why? So he does not question that she could potentially get into the realm of the dead. The handbook says they usually won't see the dead. Not that they can't. And some people, as Lydia proves, can see and interact with the dead. So Beetlejuice was a living man who somehow got in like Lydia wanted to. That's that's both the, the evidence against as well as a slight explanation as to how it might not be. Uh, he got dug up out of a grave. Right? He must be dug up out of the grave. When, when Adam and Barbara first try to contact him... Uh, they must dig him up out of the grave. He seems to be stuck there until someone says his name. But how did Beetlejuice get drafted there in the first place? He's the only dead character that is trapped somewhere and must be released in some sort of magical way. Um, they, and, and the theory is like the, or sorry, the response is that Juno is is the source. So Juno said that Beetlejuice was her assistant, and during that time he got himself into trouble. Juno is the one who knows Beetlejuice needs to be contained. Juno is probably in a high position of authority. So she's the the like the highest one we see in the movie. Hmm. So she's probably the one who who got somebody to take care of Beetlejuice. So then Beetlejuice is trapped because that's where she banished him. Um, that's the theory. Um, so he's like a terrible used car salesman that she just like trapped. Yeah, in she's the world like no no them. this is this is yo well theory the theory like for the evidence against as well is that he isn't dead but he managed to get into the world of the dead. How is not explained, but that he managed to get in there just based on the fact that they never say, no, you can't. And then worked for one of the higher ups, was a terrible person, and was banished. Okay, so then magic. That was the part that you were asking about. So he can do magic. Just because you're dead doesn't automatically mean you can do magic. Adam and Barbara are dead, and they cannot do anything like the magic that Beetlejuice can. Beetlejuice, as a living man, can do magic because he is adapted to the realm of the dead. We have explicit proof that this can happen in the movie. Lydia is alive, and at the end of the movie, she can float and dance in midair while dancing. She's gotten used to the realm of the dead because but she's always... But that's them doing that. They're lifting her up. Because she says, I got this grade because I stood up for myself, and they say, oh, do you want to do the thing? And they make the chair move, and then you get the players, and they lift her up so she can dance in the air. They're but doing But she's also that. hanging out with dead people, and she's read the handbook. But they're doing that. She's read the handbook. They learn how to do stuff over time. Okay. And become kind of like parental figures for her, and they get to do it for her. So she's not doing the magic herself? No. That's no, because they say, do you want to do the thing? And they say, yeah. And then they bring the footballers in the background who are dancing with her to the shake, shake, shake. Yeah. Sonora? Yeah. They're doing that. Shake, 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 Sonora. Shake your body. Every time we used to dance to that shake, for Just shake, Dance, shake, all I could senora. see was the end of the movie. Shake it all the time. Okay, focus. I love that song. I love that artist. I love Harry Belafonte. Anyway. 
Beetlejuice's own statements can be used against him. So first, Beetlejuice is clearly deranged, and he's also a liar, but his own, and, and therefore his own word cannot be taken for, for truth. Still, one thing that he screams at Adam and Barbara at one point, not to mention that the fact that you're talking to a dead guy, he says this merely because he's trying to sell himself to Adam and Barbara as a professional spook. Besides, the other, thing, the other things he says in that spiel are incoherent. He says he went to Juilliard, referring to the Juilliard School in New York, which is a musical conservatory that would have nothing to do with learning to scare people. It's also founded in 1905. He also says he lived through the Black Plague, which took place from 1348 to 1350. Obviously, there's no way that he could have lived through that and then lived for another 400 years to go to a music school. So Unless clearly, he's an extremely old dead guy. So clearly, his statements here cannot be taken seriously. That he's just a, chron a chronic liar. Compulsive liar. Yeah. So, anyway, the conclusion that... that is drawn from this is that Beetlejuice was a living man who entered the room of the dead, became trapped by one of the dead people in authority, and who dies eventually by being eaten by a sandworm. And he sells his spiel. Yeah. To try so and is get Beetlejuice out of dead or is Beetlejuice alive? Well, we know he's dead at the end. Yeah. But through the course of the movie, is he dead or is he alive? I do think it's possible with the whole realm of the dead angle that he could be someone alive that's been put there, so he's, like, trying to play off the whole I'm dead thing with his appearance, stuff he does, and he's got used to it, because it's very possible that he could be alive, but because he's in the realm of the dead, like, time doesn't go the same. Yeah. So he could technically have lived through those things, or he's just lying to them so that they believe he's a very experienced dead guy. Yeah. Like, oh, I can take care of him for you. Just give me the reins. But it could also be his way of trying to get back into the real world, which is true, because that's what he's trying to do later. Yeah. Because he's been stuck in the realm of the dead for so long that he wants back into the human world. So yeah, I buy that. I, I, I like the theory. There, I, I'm not entirely sold on some of the explanations away of why it, the, the, the arguments against the theory, mm. but... There's a lot of solid evidence for it too, mm. and so I think I would I would you know give the benefit of the doubt and say yeah he's he's yeah. alive until he, he's not. Yeah, it makes it a little less. I have a different. It makes theory. him weirder. And yeah, go ahead, tell me your theory. So my theory um, is from Reddit, but I couldn't find the user because I read it. Uh, they talked about it in it an was article. A third party said and they that. said, oh, this Reddit user said this, and I was like, okay, cite your sources, <laughs> and they didn't. <laughs> Um, so, shitty journalist, but thank you for the, you know, <laughs> article. <laughs> um, so the theory... Shoddy journalism, but thank you for the facts you did provide. Yeah, so, you remember Ooh. the realtor Jane? Yes. At the beginning. Yes. Alright? Yes. Well, this theory is that Adam and Barbara, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, they didn't die by accident. They were murdered Ooh. by Jane. So she wants the house. She wants exactly. The house. So the theory suggests that um, Adam and Barbara, as you know, they go to town at the beginning, uh, almost immediately after the very overbearing character of Jane has tried to convince them yet again. Knocking to, the doors, hi to, jumping in the windows. To sell their house. You sure you don't want to sell it? You sure? You sure? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. At which time they're killed right before returning home. Um, the car goes off the bridge because they see the dog and all that, right? Um, so, the main motive that's there, of course, is she wants their house. Yeah. But, um, but ha what's her involvement? So. Like, how did she? So, the whole her? motive is, after being refused too many times by the Maitlands, 
and she is in need of a commission, she mentioned. The Maitlands, by the way, To care for her sickly son. Alec Baldwin. She mentions at one point that she's got a son who's sickly, so she clearly needs this money. That's why she wants their nice house. I don't recall that, but I, I trust you. Go ahead. They believe that Jane cut the brakes on the Maitland's car, which is why they couldn't stop from going off the bridge. Because they could have easily hit the brakes and stopped the dog. They could have swerved and hit the brakes and done that. Um, the idea is that she cut the brakes. And um, the damage to the car that would have been done by them falling into the lake after. When that, the, that's not how I recall them dying. They, they go off the on, bridge. Yeah, but they're on, they're on like the board and the dog yeah. hops off and they tip. But right? it's not like the car's still accelerating. Yeah, but they can't break. Is like the whole thought process behind this because you don't see them break. You just see them swerve and get stuck. Okay. So you'd think that what you would do is you'd swerve and break. I gotta rewatch that scene now. Anyway. Okay. Um, the damage to the car also would be hidden. Mm-hmm. Jade's damage because of it getting dropped in the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, they pull the car. That would ways. allow her to like walk away scot free. With her hefty commission from selling the house because they're dead now, and then would she know how to cut brakes? She'd give it to the deets. She'd give it to the deets, right? The deetses or whatever. Yeah. Um, the rich. And this also explains why Adam and Barbara are ghosts haunting their home instead of moving on because they have like unfinished business or there was foul play involved, something like that. Yeah. Because otherwise they should have been good to go. You know. They should have gone immediately to the waiting room. Yeah. Rather than. Then having have to get a handbook and deal with death and all yeah, that. Yeah. They okay. should have been led right on through. Interesting. Um, That's an interesting. The problem point. with this theory is two things. Based on the scenes that you witness, based on the scenes that you witness, Jane would have had to have cut the brake line in order to have this effect on the car. But it would have had to have been during the time that Adam is in the store. Um, Isn't Jane sitting in the car? I thought she was. Um, Where does she get out and go in as well? No, he goes in the store by himself. You don't know if Gina like goes somewhere else or something. Okay. But she would have had to have cut this break without Gina Davis or Alec Baldwin noticing. Mm. Before, like, they have to get to the store and break. Her cut the brakes and then them take off. Okay, so there's a hole in this theory. Um, she also would have had to have, like, a mechanic got in on this, which I think is very funny. A mechanic brought up the point that she'd have to research how to perfectly cut the line so that it lasted long enough while they were driving to also have Adam not notice it as well. You'd have to have two things happen. It would have to last long enough for this to occur, as well as Adam not notice that the brakes are being quite shoddy <laughs> on the way yeah. back. Um, it would have to be cut at the perfect spot at the right time and everything. There's the, some people were like, well, what if that's her dog and like all that? But do you believe that she killed them or that it was just I a very did until you just accident? said what you said. I was like, yeah, sounds sounds plausible. And then you're like, yeah, but she'd have to get the brakes cut. In such I love that a mechanic got in on it. Was like, hold on, I work with cars. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's it's definitely it's doable. But I wouldn't say that this woman could do it. The thing that would make me more inclined to believe that she did it is not that she cut the brakes. It's that she sent the dog into the road. I believe that. Yeah, that sounds like I believe that she'd be like, go on, boy, and have him run in the street. They're like, ah! Yeah, but but you're right. Like, I'd be more inclined to believe that than her cutting the brakes. That's the only problem. She's got to get under the car without being noticed. By the townspeople and them. Yeah. I would say probably not because of that point right there. But yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think also the only, no. I think I the, I no. think the only issue is that I think it's more inclined that she would get the dog and put the yeah. dog in the road. Yeah, but then, I mean, that has absolutely nothing to do with the, the brakes potentially being Yeah, well, that's with. their theory talks with the brakes. Yeah. But I think the theory is sound if you just switch it to the dog. Yeah, if she put her dog there in hopes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never see what happens to that dog. You see that the dog walks away. What a heartless cow! If that's <laughs> I know. If that's what she did. Now I'm not gonna be able to watch that movie again without, without think thinking evil. like, oh, evil realtor. Yeah. Dog hating, not caring. Toto might have been going to heaven too, following them. <laughs> anyway, All what right. if they hit him? Yeah, but she could get him done for killing the dog. What if they like did a hit and run, and she could get him for that? I don't think they would have hit and run. Or you they could... They swerved. Or... I don't think they would have hit and run. Or she could say, you killed my dog, now you have you owe me. You owe me. You have to give me your house. What, she's going to financially Black screw them. them out of their yeah. home? You over never the, know. Over a dog? I don't think that's the, the equivalent of the cost of this home. She's clearly nutty. You've seen Jane. She is nutty. Jane is <laughs> a nut. Um, um, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I believe, struggle with this one. I believe that she could have done it, but I believe that her method it's interesting, needs to be though. adjusted. Definitely interesting. Um, now we are on to our Twist the Sister. Yes, and I'm ready to... No, I'm not ready. Well, I'm being twisted. Yeah, you're not I'm, ready I'm ready, for ready to sit here and listen to your your Put your theories. phone down. This is something that requires your actual attention. Do I just, not have your phone in front so, of you. So just, I want to give you a little bit of information. Oh, great. I was watching A League of Their Own earlier this week. So we will be discussing A League of Their Own. <laughs> Who are you? I'm Ernie Cappadino. I'm a baseball scout. I saw you playing today. Not bad. Not bad. You ever hear of Walter Harvey? Makes Harvey bars? You know, the candy? Yeah. I feed them to the cows when they're constipated. That's the guy. He's starting the girls' baseball league. So we can make a buck while the boys are overseas. Want to play? Huh? Nice retort. Tryouts are in Chicago. It's a real league. Professional. Professional baseball? Mm-hmm. They'll pay you $75 a week. We only make 30 at the dairy. Well, then, this would be more, wouldn't it? You interested? Come on. $75 a week? Pull her leg for a while. Mine are long enough already. Look, your, your country needs you, and uh, you can not only play ball, but you're kind of a dolly. That's what we're looking for. Oh, oh now I get it. Well, listen, mister, I'm a married woman. My husband's overseas. Oh, relax. I'm talking looky-no-touchy. Just that we want girls who are easy on the eye. Well, I'll go. I'm ready. I'm ready right now. I gotta sign something. I don't want you. I want her. The one who hit the ball. You can climb back under the cow. So I felt like I needed to come into this because I... I you want to be I prepared? Truly, I truly this couldn't recall. This movie lives rent-free in my brain. I truly couldn't recall anything about it. Um, I, I had completely forgot that Tom Hanks was a recovering alcoholic. Are you joking? Didn't know that. All I could remember was, there's no crying in baseball. That's all I could oh my remember. God. The, one of the funniest things in the and whole movie. I forgot about jo how great John Lovett one is. One of the funniest things in the whole movie is when, it's not even when he's saying there's no crying in baseball, is when she comes up to him and he's actively trying not to kill her. And you can see, like, he, he wants to strangle her. But he also doesn't want to yell, so like he's he, he just by the end of it he just takes a deep breath, my kind of gives her the hands like go away from me, and then just pats himself like oh my god that was hard. That I think is so funny, and I, I do you want my favorite line? Sure. 
Okay, so when they're on the bus and the girls are like talking about their their boys back home and their boyfriend and their husband, whatever. You're talking about Rosie O'Donnell. Exchanging photos. <laughs> and and they kinda like cringe when Rosie O'Donnell gives them their photo and, and one of them says, Looks aren't everything and Rosie O'Donnell goes, That's right. What matters is he's stupid, he's out of work and he treats me bad. Yeah. And then she rips it up and she goes, So long, Charlie and throws it out the window. I don't know why, but that line kills me. Yeah. I think it's so funny. That's yeah. right. What matters is. Yeah. All of these other shitty things. <laughs> Not only is he hideous enough that you cringed <laughs> upon seeing his photo, but he's also a mess of a human being. But yeah. Oh my god. I, I, this is separate to me trying to convince you that this movie is worth your time. I am really in, it's important to me. It's gonna be such an easy sell. That <laughs> I think A League of Their Own is the greatest sports movie of all time. And I think it is because when you go in, it's a good story with sports sprinkled in. It's it not like it's reliant on all the sports the way for it to be good. I love All the Way May. It's the because best role Madonna has ever had. And you know that she's not called All the Way May because she's stealing bases. Oh, I know, yeah. Um, <laughs> she's stealing hearts and breaking them. I um, love when she when they're trying to like gain attention. They're talking about like little tactics that they're going to do. She's like, oh, what what if all of a sudden you know my shirt pops Poof, open pops and my open. bosoms fall out? And she goes, you think there's anybody who hasn't seen your yeah, bosoms? Yeah, is with Rosie O'Donnell. She goes, there's, you think there's people people in in the stands that haven't seen your bosoms like, and it's because they're such close friends that it works like yeah. you can tell they've been through a lot together and, and they she's ended like, up actually Hi. being friends because yeah. of this movie they, yeah they, which they, in rosie reality in reality if you thought that rosie o'donnell and madonna were friends you would be oh she been, she's a gay icon it seems odd <laughs> they're both gay icons yeah um <laughs> but yeah uh also oh. it's it's the whole reason I'm a little biased to thinking it's the best movie, the best sports movie of all time, because I love baseball. You know how much I love baseball. There's no crying in baseball! I love it so much. It Like, it is by far my favorite sport. Like, all the other ones can piss off. Like, if I, I had to pick one sport scene. for life, it would be baseball. I forgot that scene. The no crying There's in baseball no cry one? Like, I remember the line, and I remember yeah. his, like, the delivery of it, I remember how he says it. But I forget. Like, I forgot crying? him going over to yeah. her. It's saying, saying, my manager called me a sack of pink shit. Yeah, and like, you and know, that was when my parents <laughs> saw me to sit yeah. the same play I don't game. know why, yeah, but Tom Hanks's like delivery of that because he's angry and he's, he's like, so but did angry. I cry? No, because there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. and she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, she's crying. It's so like she's, it's hard. getting worse, and that's. Um, and then they kick Penny Marshall's daughter as well. Is it That's really? That's her daughter. That's what she looks like. Her. Oh my god! Um, I never would have. I never would have known that. Are she you looks lying like her. Me? That this is feels, her daughter. This feels like a lie. This feels she like... goes by a different name in the movie, but it is. It's her daughter. Um, I'm, I'm fact checking you, but because I mean that's a great little factoid for her. The I also best scene to I also love that there, there's so many little things that are really funny in it, like when they're on the bus and the one girl Shirley Baker. Um, she cannot read. And they're sitting at the back Wrong of the bus. Wrong daughter. Wrong daughter. Is it Gary Marshall's daughter? No. No, no, no. Penny Marshall's daughter yeah. is this this girl. Oh, Betty Spaghetti. Yes. Betty Spaghetti? Is yeah. that her? I thought she That's was... her nickname in it. Esposito is her, her real name, right? I think. Am I wrong? Mom always told me that it was the blonde, so I just believed Mom. <laughs> She's just wrong. 
She does look like Penny so Marshall. So you did fair. absolutely no work on this. Sorry, I believe mom. Yeah, and so everyone on. else. I'm Dad used to Gary tell me. Marshall, Penny Marshall's brother. Now, I'm checking to see if that's true. You know what? How, do, how about I just look up the okay? You do what you want. I'm just going to talk about the movie because yeah. it's awesome. Um, but the back to what I was saying. One of the other scenes that I think is really amazing is when Shirley Baker is being taught how to read by Madonna, and she gives her a book. Yes, and, she go, and she's having her sound out the words. And she's not wrong. And what she goes, Madonna says, and she's and she's like having her read, and then he took off her this and uh, the he, creamy. He, he touched her milky white. Breasts, and, she, and then she like, looks at her. Then she kind of looks at her. Then she kind of looks at her. And Madonna, as this is all going on, you can see Madonna's like mouthing what she's supposed to say. So when she gets to breast, she's like breasts. It says it with her. And then one of them turns around. She goes, "May, what are you having her read?" She goes, "It doesn't matter. She's reading, isn't she?" Yeah, she's not wrong. And she's like, "Oh, and this is when you get to the good part." She flips the page. It's so funny. Um, but there's so many different things that are great about it the the um you've got an amazing cast first off like stunning tom hanks gina davis rosie o'donnell madonna penny marshall's john daughter john lovitz in john lovitz steals the first 15 minutes of the yeah. movie he's like the way this works is the station stays and the train moves like he's trying yeah. to get her to go on the train faster and then when he can see them running to catch the train mm. he leans over this woman she goes oh sir and he goes <laughs> what does he say in response he, he like he says something like you're welcome like he's very he has his like whole body in this woman's face he goes sir and he's just like you know enjoy yourself and like keeps looking what i find really on the funny train is that like when we first kind of get intro well not first but but close to the beginning of when we're intro to his character which is a like very very fleeting he uh He's talking to this guy and this guy's, and then this happened at work, and then this happened, ha ha ha, and he goes, if wow, I, if, if I, I had, had your job, job I'd, I'd kill myself. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, John Lovitz can take pretty much any line, and if he delivers it in just the right tone, it is hilarious. Like, we're well, doing, do you we're doing no what, justice to Do you remember it. what his face is like when he sees Marla Hooch? When he turns around... And he says, yes. you know, she'd be playing for the Yankees, and then he gets to see what she looks like, and he, like, he kind of jumps back, like, oh my god. That's my husband's favorite scene. And, uh, he turns around, and he says, oh, we can't take her, and all that. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Dad. And they go, why, why aren't you gonna take her? And he goes, you know, um, so-and-so? She goes, yeah. There's too strong resemblance, and it's a really hideous-looking man. So I hate to break it to you, but I have to confirm. What? That, uh, she is not at all related to any of the cast. She's not related to any of the crew. What are you talking about? The girl who is crying in the... Oh! Uh, in the, I'm not worried about crying. that. She, she, I am not worried about that Her name is Elizabeth Natalie Schramm. And, uh, yeah. She is in no way, shape, or form related to the Marshalls. Okay. So... I, hate I don't care. I had to fact check you because I was like, she doesn't look like you. Didn't even know that Penny Marshall's daughter was in it, and she is in it. So she doesn't. She doesn't look anything like Penny Marshall either. Doesn't matter. You also know her from When Harry Met Sally. She doesn't so look shame anything on like you. Rainer either. Shame on you. Who? Betty Spaghetti is in When Harry Met Sally. When? She's the one that Harry's dating. She makes the cakes. You're kidding me. No. You're kidding me. No. Because she's Rob Rayner's daughter. 
Oh my god! It's just clicked for you, hasn't it? That's not her, is it? That is her. No, I feel like you're lying to me again! I don't don't understand! I'm right again. No, let's see, let's see. It is her. I'm looking. It is her. She plays Emily. Emily! She's Aunt Emily! That makes the cakes! Oh my god! (laughs) My world has just been blown! I've watched When Harry Met Sally, like, once a month for my entire life! And I never knew that! Oh my god! Your oh voice is god. getting so high right now. I'm I'm stunned. I, oh my god! It makes perfect sense of Rob Rayner's daughter. Oh my god! It's a very small role, but still. Wow. Okay. I I did not notice at all. That's it's how so little funny. Emily means to me in When Harry Met Sally. It's like don't okay. care about this bitch. She's got to be gone before the end literally, of the Literally, whenever I see her, I go, Mom, it's Betty Spaghetti. That's literally what I say every oh time I see her. Oh, my God. Okay, um, I'm sorry. So I got very excited. Back on track. Okay. Amazing cast. Um, it's a funny and heartwarming movie. Are you trying to twist me? Yes. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. It's funny Mr. Hobby, like your candy bars, you are completely nuts. I need to be entirely honest. Considering you already rewatched it because you enjoyed <laughs> you win. it so much, I think I win. I don't even you have to, like, convince win. you. So I'm just going to talk about awesome it is for a sec. <laughs> Funny and heartwarming. The end is very bittersweet, so be prepared to be a little pissed off. Um, uh, I fell asleep. Is, I fell asleep before. Oh the my end. god! You don't remember the end? No. I fell oh asleep. my god! Can I spoil it? Well, basically the Can story. Hold on. It. Basically, the story is telling. The two story sisters. follows Dottie and Kit, and they are sisters. It's Gina Davis and I always Lori think, Petty. Lori Petty to me always looks like Ellen. When you see her when she was young, she looks like Ellen to me. Yeah, well, she's Scuba Girl. I think that was her, that's the, what she's famous for. Terrible but then she was in Orange is the New Black. Oh, yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah so Much people now on. would know her from that. Yeah. Um, but she, to me, I always, I genuinely thought it was Ellen the very first time I watched Scooby-Doo was like a comic book. I straight up thought it was Ellen the first time I saw A League of Their Own. I thought it was Ellen. I was like, that's Ellen. And Mom's like, no. No, it's not. No. <laughs> Close, but no. Um, Try again, but, Daisy. But I really, like, mm. and they're... You can see really early on what's going to happen over the course of the movie, and it's she's so Gina Davis. Gina Davis, whose daughter is very naturally talented at baseball, like it's something she's running the team because Tom Hanks is a a shitty manager, drunk, and he's he's not capable. He doesn't care, so she ends up like well, not manager, coach. He's a terrible coach initially, so she's the one running things. So she ends up yeah, kind of taking care of business because she knows the game so well. And her sister, she loves it. Like, she loves baseball, but she's nowhere near as good as Dottie is. And, I mean, it's all taking place during wartime. And it's something that constantly eats at her. It's all taking place during wartime. The men are away, so they they have women's... Which is based on true fact. But they have they had women's baseball to entertain people in yeah. the meantime. You got Canadians, woo, Irish ones. <laughs> you know the song? Yeah. You know we're the whole, for like, one, we're one for all. We're all American. <laughs> but, anyway. Why are we all American? When, they when talk there's about Irish ones and, and Irish. Canadian ones in with the Americans. Um, but it's all being recounted kind of like in her memories and reminiscing because she's got, she's actually Because at the start later. of it, she's old. At the start of it, she's That's old. a bit blunt. She is. She's got she's grandkids. Aged. She is now a grandmother. She has, she has kids, she has grandkids, and she's going for, like... Her daughter has basically forced her to go to this reunion. Yeah, because she goes, Mom, you know, you were the great. You were one of the greats. They will remember me. Yeah, they will. Yeah, you were part of history. Go to it. Go, go, go. And the movie basically starts once she arrives on the field and starts seeing people again. She starts to reminisce, and we go back. And it takes you back to when they were on the farm, then they get 
uh, picked up by John Lovitz because he wants him to yeah. play for the team. <laughs> I, you shouldn't say they. That he wants Dottie, which is Gina and Davis's Dottie character. won't go without her sister. Yeah. She's like, I'm married. I'm not interested. Yeah, because she her whole plan is that she's playing baseball in their hometown and running things yeah. until her husband gets back. But and don't then, spoil the end for me. I'm gonna finish it. That's the start of it. Yeah, the no, start no. of it. She says I know, that. I know, but I know where you're going with this. Don't spoil the end for me. Anyway, as things go on, they make friends. They they go through. You the win, and okay? They, they you get win. To, they get to the point that it's in the finals, and then of course, um. You can see over time, Kit is getting more and more jealous of her sister because Dottie is so good that she's all of a sudden on the cover of magazines as being the face of women's baseball, yeah. and Kit's not even getting a tiny, a tiny part in the footnotes. Like, she's not even there. She's not getting she's even the like same advertised. level. She's like, when they do the little reel, they're like, ah, there's, kid sister. there's Kit, Dottie's yeah. kid sister, and boy, yeah. is she single. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And nice. um, you can see that she's kind of sick of living in her sister's shadow, and it just it she's gets got steadily Ashley worse. Simpson syndrome. It gets steadily worse um, over time to the point that there's a blow up, and then there's what happens after the blow up. Don't tell me. Don't. Tell and then there's me. the end of the movie, which the very first time I watched it made me want to never watch it again. But saying that, I was six. Um, <laughs> And when you know how I was, like if we watched Amazing Race and the people I didn't want to win, I would cry for hours. Yeah. So like I felt very deeply that the you ending was You were furious when Clay Aiken didn't win American Idol the second season. Yeah. You bawled your eyes out. Yeah. Because you wanted Clay Aiken to win. You didn't want Ruben Stutter to win. Ruben Stutter won, and yeah. you were like, I'm never watching it again. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. The drama with this one, I'm telling you. I was so invested. <laughs> like, I was more invested in their winning yeah. than they were. Yeah. So it hurt me so much. I, like, <laughs> like, look, Clay Aiken isn't even crying. Yeah. Clay Aiken's like, I get it, man. You're on the floor. <laughs> and you know what? I think Clay Aiken has done perfectly fine for himself. They do so. stuff together all the time. Ruben started Clay Aiken. They do, like, a buddy routine constantly. Yeah. So I'm not really worried about yeah. him now, but I was devastated as a child. <laughs> So the same thing happened with this, but then I was like, yeah. it's okay, I know what's coming now. And I watched it again, and I was like, oh, it's just as good as the first time. And, you, and I felt, like, you revitalized. Know I think your penchant for drama when you were young, we'll, we'll say when you were younger in quotation marks, because I don't think it's fully gone, but but your penchant for drama got me in so much trouble. Why? Because, like, <laughs> you would bowl your eyes out, and my mother's like, what did you do, Chelsea? Mom was there. I no, had mom, nothing to I do with it. I remember She's crying, and I don't know why. So vividly. When we watched The Amazing Race, do you remember the mother and son, and the son was deaf? It was very early on in Amazing Race. Um, and oh, no. I, I forget the contestants. Oh, my God. I can't remember their names for the life of me, but there was a mother and son on The Amazing Race, the American version. Um... And he was deaf. And do you know how invested I was in them? I was like, if they don't get first, like, even if they got second and not third in the finale, I was going to lose my shit. And I can't remember if they got second or third, but they didn't win. And I was, I cried for like two hours. And I followed mom upstairs at one point, And mom said to me, she turned to me and she said, if you don't stop crying, we're never watching Amazing Race again. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then you just started crying about okay. that. <laughs> okay. Like, I, do, I was doing, like, deep breathing. Like, I was working so hard to stop it because I was like, I need to watch the season. What, what's funny, though, is, like, you must have matured 
ever so slightly because Each you year? used you, you <laughs> used to be you would cry and mom would make threats like this and you would which was just a threat because there's no way our mom was going to miss Amazing Race. She loves it. Uh, but your reaction used to be, "That's fine. I'll never watch American Idol again. I can't watch this." That was your reaction before. So if she had said to you, we can't watch Amazing Race again, and you had been a little bit younger, you would have been like, that's fine, we can't watch it again? Good! Good riddance, Amazing Race! That's how you would have been. So you have made progress. It's slight, but you've made progress. I get mad now. Like, instead of crying, I just, I'm angry. And it just kind of sits with me for a couple days that I'm like, those little bitches. They freaking won. They didn't deserve to win. Like, I just, I kind of get like... Anger you need you need other of... things going on <laughs> so that you're you don't live and die by I told reality. You, I'm TV. way too invested yeah. in these competitions. Maybe you shouldn't watch TV. Do you know how invested I was in Big Brother this year? It's uh, taken us how long. We're doing a podcast on movies and TVs and books. Did you watch the and, Christmas Big Brother? And listen. Okay. And no, I don't watch Big Brother. And we've come to this point. Where I think maybe we shouldn't be, wa- you shouldn't be watching as many no. movies and TVs and books. I no. think I think we've come to a point where it's like it's so calm it's down so there. connected with my identity at this point. Oh my God, <laughs> you don't know where I begin. Why is she end. angry? Why is she angry? <laughs> Have you looked at she her? She rewatched room? Buffy. Look at all of the DVDs. <laughs> she rewatched Buffy. This is She's going to be on this for a few days. <laughs> She, w- she saw she the finale of How I Met Your Mother again. She flipped the table. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's... But, yeah. Um, that's for another time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm getting angry. <laughs> you should just see my crazy eyes right yeah. now. Like, I'm holding you're, you're back every it. word. Knowing okay. full well, I'm, we're so going to discuss this I think I think the moral of the story is Gina Davis is awesome. Happy birthday to you in yeah. advance. Madonna. Oh, Her best role Madonna, is the Madonna, happy... Saturday to you, like, and I love Madonna. The other thing, uh, one I last thing Madonna. for League of Their Own. Don't you love Rosie I just, O'Donnell's I've character seen Madonna. so much? You know that, that I went to her concert. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um, don't you love that Rosie O'Donnell at one point when all they need is like one more out to win, that her body physically shakes when she yells one more to the different players? It cracks me up when I'm watching it. What are you talking about? In a League of Their Own. And she's like, you okay. might have got further than me. I got oh. halfway through and fell asleep. You'll pay. Oh, you haven't seen it then. I was very you tired. Will, you will crack up when she goes, one more, one more. You see her whole body stiff, but she's like vibrating with tension when she's like, one more, one more. Yeah. I love it so much. Gina Davis has done so many good. She did the fly oh. and she was great in that. Like, but in that, for it's, me, it's interesting. I will live and die by a leak of her own. What, I, what I've gotten out of this entire podcast is that I can't believe she, she was engaged to Christopher McDonald. <laughs> Like that's that's beyond me. <coughs> the woman is batting. Uh, she's batting. She's batting a hundred. <laughs> I, I don't quite understand. She was. She's been with. What's his name? Um, what's his name? Um. Hey, Jurassic Park stutter. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, from The Fly, right? I don't know if she married him or if she was engaged to him, but whatever. Th- this. It's very confusing. Have you seen? It, this seems like very workplace romance. Look as well at for her. Gina Davis. She's just gorge. She snatched. She's him still gorge. All the men up. I don't quite understand. Well, like, she keeps them. That's her choice. I'm sorry, Jeff and Christopher, but like, <laughs> I, there's a little. Confusion you are punching here. above your weight, apparently. <laughs> I, I really don't understand how they got Gina Davis. Not only is Gina Davis just drop dead gorgeous, but she's also brilliant. 
And I mean, like, book smart and also skilled. Like, she can mm-hmm. do just about anything. I don't get it. I don't get it. To Brad include, Pitt is to... the person that I believe she would have been with. <laughs> and she ended up with you Christopher McDonald. You realize she's, like, in her 60s, right? Like, she would be How a old do you think Brad Pitt is? He's 59. He will be 60 in a few... Well, what, what day are we on? We're on the 20th. He was 62 days ago. I love that we actually know Brad Pitt's birthday. Because of mom. It's It's the same birthday. birthday. By the way, um, happy belated birthday to dad. He's not going to hear this, but like. (laughs) It's been weeks. It's been weeks. No, it's not. No, are we on December? Wait, is it December 20th or January? We're in January. We're in January. (laughs) What is wrong with you? It's been almost. New Year. New Year memories. It's been over a month. It's been over a month. (laughs) It's been a month and. Two days. Yeah. Brad December Pitt is, 18th, by the way, he's 60. You have his old date. He's 60. Yeah. Yes. And then Gina Davis will be well, turning. Well, I knew he was 59, on, but I still thought we were in 2023. So she's I'm turning. A she's turning. <laughs> will you let me speak? Oh, sorry. She's turning 68. Yeah. So she'd tomorrow. be a cougar. She's turning 68 tomorrow. Yeah. Eight years does not a cougar make. Okay, baby. I, I do not. Uh, I, I, no. No. <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> maybe that's her twist the sister. Eight years does not Con- a cougar convince make. Convince me. Give me a break. Convince me otherwise. I, mom, like, mom would get this we because have a I've family. explained this to her. We have a family that we've all been cradle snatched, basically. Yeah. 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 So what we're saying is... Well, you is were a cougar you're gonna for a hot up- minute, and then you were like, nah, not for me. I want to be the baby. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to be the cub that's being stole by the cougar. Another thing I've learned from doing this podcast, young people are dumb. Oh, whatever. That's right. Give me the hug. That's all right. You want me to come back for more? Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Go watch Gina Davis's work. Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Gina Davis. You golden star. You dog, you.